it's starting to all take shape, right? It's a we've been working on the growth of Yota obviously for the past eight years since I joined. A lot of what we've been doing over the first few years were uh, it was probably not so visible for the rest of the market because essentially we were working towards uh, the development of new hotels, um, most of which were new built, right? So whilst we started working on them as long as you know, back in 2015, 16, they only started becoming live, especially in Europe, um, much more recently. And ironically, um, uh, uh, during the COVID crisis, most of our new hotels have actually opened right in the middle of uh, the pandemic. Um, so our portfolio, I mean, overall, has doubled pre-crisis and post-crisis. And in Europe, I mean, it's much more significant than that. I think most of our hotels have opened during the crisis. So it was, it was, it was transformational, right? Uh, in one hand, we had to deal with the crisis, which I think none of us leaders were that well prepared for because it's kind of this once in a lifetime, if that kind of event that can happen. So we're not exactly you know, formally trained for this kind of events. But at the same time, we had to go on with you know, our plan, which was to grow yes. the business. So, so we, 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 it was, it was completely crazy. <laughs> and, and the cost of capital and construction during the COVID period. I mean, now it's, it's everything's going through a roof. So you, there was some advantage in, in expanding, even though there was no real guest demand. Correct. I think uh, the, the 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 cost of capital, cost of goods, uh, inflationary pressure is all post-crisis. A lot of it is linked to the crisis, obviously, uh, and not just to the unfortunate uh, 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 war in Ukraine, um, uh, which has exacerbated the situation. Um, so has a few other uh, macroeconomic trends, I suppose. But I think the pandemic, has obviously, dis uh, it's, a, it's an obvious fact, has obviously disrupted significantly supply chains across most industries, including our industry, and therefore um, eventually created inflationary pressure uh, on many, many aspects of our industry, first and foremost, construction, right? So it is true that today, interestingly, post-crisis, we found our business development activities uh, probably more challenging than ever. Uh, there, is a there is no shortage of equity out there. Uh, uh, massive institutional funds, institutional players across the board have raised unprecedented levels of equity, uh, private equity mostly, to uh, invest in various industries, including tourism and hospitality, which has proven to be one of the most resilient asset class in the real estate uh, segment. Therefore, there is appetite from private equity investors for our industry. There's absolutely no doubt that. But there is obviously uh, upward pressure from lenders with uh, increased uh, in uh, interest rate across the board. And probably in Europe, it's still manageable, but 
listening to most uh, central bank governors, it's only a matter of time before we see more pressure and more uh, on, on interest rate, I think, in Europe. Um, and not only, and it's not just a question of cost of money, it's also availability of debt has kind of shrunk. Yes. To, in an extreme, as far as we're concerned, the US where we've seen a complete shrinkage of construction financing for any new hotels. Uh, um, and to a least le less extreme uh, uh, other end, but still significant in Europe, where we've seen just a reduction in the in the in the loan to value ratios uh, available for new hotel projects or the refinancing of existing hotel. So there is this interesting, I uh, suppose, uh, uh, um, gap between you know, huge availability of private uh, equity and a reduction in um, the availability of debt. And that's why, unsurprisingly, you see a lot, I think, of the private equity players taking debt position in our industry. Right? Yes. <laughs> so, um, but as, as a hotel brand, a hotel operator, it's obviously quite a challenging environment to deal with, um, as obviously we have, we're very focused on the DNA of our brand, and we're not there to buy assets at an affordable price and restructure them, but we're there to actually create yotels, yotel pads and yotel airs, which are with very specific uh, uh, brand DNAs and operating uh, uh, conditions. And therefore, um, it's it's not an easy market to deal with. And, and, and topped with, as uh, you just alluded to and I just said, is that um, the uh, overall, uh, let's say, construction industry at the moment is going through massive inflation. Yes. So cost replacement cost has actually gone up, right, uh, for, for hotels. So, it, so it's, it's, um, it's, you know, if I look at last year, the first year post-pandemic, if I may say, partially post-pandemic, as we've seen a real recovery in Europe since probably March last year, and a little bit later elsewhere. Um, we, we, we had a reasonably successful year in terms of growth, but it was very uh, spread out. So we've, you know, we've, for instance, we've announced our first hotel in the Middle East, in Saudi Arabia. I was going to ask uh, you about that. That's right. exciting. Which is super exciting and clearly a, a part of the world which is benefiting to a certain extent from the um, uh, incremental cost of energy, right? And creates massive amount of liquidity and therefore projects such as Neom are actually happening and that's why we can send a hotel there. Uh, we have signed new hotels in Asia, which seems to, in spite of the pandemic, has still from our perspective, at least, we can still see significant amount of new hotel being developed. So there's still a huge appetite for more supply in Asia, even though the market was shut down until very recently, right? I mean, Hong Kong only lifted its uh, uh, mask requirement two weeks ago, right? So they were still in a post-pandemic mode until two weeks ago. And Japan only lifted its restriction within October or November last year. So. It's very, very recent that Asia is coming out of the pandemic model, right? But nevertheless, we still see a lot of appetite for new supply in Asia. So we've, we've seen more growth there. In Europe, we have seen and we've had the ability and opportunity to convert existing assets, which seems very logical with the macroeconomic environment we're facing, where building is probably more difficult to justify 
but repositioning assets to take into account the kind of new world post-pandemic makes a huge amount of sense. And that's why the last two or three opportunities we've been working on in Europe were all conversion of existing assets. And then in the US, there's that, I mean, frankly speaking, our growth has been quite limited. Um, we've opened, obviously, Yotel Miami last year, but that was a project which obviously was signed and developed much earlier than that. So it just happens to be opening there. A strong market, so the hotel has, you know, uh, immediately uh, uh, taken off uh, uh, favorably. But 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 it is probably the most um, challenging market at the moment in terms of business development. Now we all know the U.S. is also a very dynamic market, so things could change very quickly, right? I mean, um, the Fed was uh, had the capacity, probably that other central banks didn't have, to. Uh, address its interest rate dramatically, which had a massive impact on the economy, uh, but it can also go the other way around very quickly. And, um, and therefore, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a huge believer. I mean, the US probably went through the most more dra mass dramatic measures in terms of post-pandemic uh, um, uh, economic management, but will probably be the first to recover right, as well. So whilst right now, from our perspective as a hotel brand, when we look for new projects, Pipeline is pretty, is more limited in in, in the US. Uh, it could change in a matter of month. Uh, so we have to remain very agile with it. But I mean, obviously, due diligence is always the name of the game when it comes to any new development. But it seems from what you're saying, from what I'm hearing, with debt being is available, but it's expensive. You've got private equity looking at their exits and not 100% sure whether hotels are way to go despite it being an excellent hedge against inflation. Are you seeing that the financial stack just doesn't work for a lot of projects? Are you are you being more far um, more um, discerning? I think um, it, again it depends where right uh, there's a huge difference uh, between Europe and the US right I mean at the moment in the US it's very difficult right I mean uh, um interest rate are up to five six percent the margins that banks charge on top are very high we've seen some of our owners having to refinance their hotels over the last 12 months it was they had to deleverage their asset and they had to face a much more expensive loan going forward so uh fortunately we are you know all of our hotels are owned uh, by um very large institutions so they were able to face this situation right for smaller owners it's much more difficult and that's why there is a certain anticipation i believe from the financial markets that it's only a matter of time that some assets assets will have to go distressed and yes. owners will, will not be able to face the financial conditions attached to their loans so it's a distress situation now will it be the kind of distress situation we've seen in during the GFC or not, I am not an economist, I don't know, but clearly there is, there's in many situations, I cannot see how the situation can stay as is. There, no, there, there will have to be some sort of an adjustment, in particular in the US, right? And in the UK, they say that there's still a great deal of government contracts on hotels, that when they go, there might be some um, changes there too. So let, let's talk about for leadership in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, we're interested in in how the pandemic and that 
two to three years changed you as a, a person and a leader? Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's it's. I think it's changed. It's. I mean, who would have thought, right? I mean, this is the kind of things that you know you read in history books. Or there was a pandemic back in, you know, yeah, early twentieth twentieth century, and you never think it's going to hit you. When in fact, when you read after that, the probability was actually quite high. <laughs> we were just very naive to think this was never going to happen. But I think, look, back to business. I think the key. There's been a number of impacts, firstly, how to run business, uh, some which were not, I mean, we knew, but probably in my case, probably didn't take uh, this seriously enough. Um, the first thing is, you know, I'm building a, a company. I'm fortunate to be the leader of a business under massive growth. And this kind of growth, what Yotel is doing, where we are today, what we're, you know, what we're becoming, um, I'm very proud to say is according to a plan that we had, right? We we had a business plan to do what we've done. And to a certain extent, I'm sometimes amazed as to how close we are to the original plan we had when I started back in, in seven years ago. Um, so the plan is important, but the first lesson of the crisis, I think, is, well, the plan is important, but you know, be ready for massive changes in your plan, right? It's like do, things don't go as planned. It's I think it's it's important to have a plan and a vision and a long-term objective, but be prepared for massive zigzag on your on the way, because you're we're subject to so many different market forces, which we don't control, and therefore one needs to be extremely agile, right, all the time. Um, which I suppose uh, is kind of normal uh uh it's expect, expected from a leader but we've discovered that at a uh, 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 at a, a volume a, a scale that we had uh, never anticipated before the second thing i think which is probably reasonably basic but which i felt more than ever it's it's all about the team right uh, leadership is important, obviously, and I think leadership needs to stay focused. Need leadership as me uh, uh, embracing this role, uh, uh, representing this role for Yotel. I need to give, like, keep a steady hand on the future of the company. I need to stay focused. I need to stay the course of the business. But at the same time, it's all about the team, and that's what we've really discovered during this crisis. I mean, our I mean, discovery is pretty too strong a word, but. You know, it's really emphasized that, you know, you do not go through a crisis like that just with strong leadership or, or, or just with a strong two or three good people. You go through a crisis like that with having everybody, everybody engaged, everyone being uh, participating into it and everybody, um, everyone in the team, uh, as I said, being engaged with, within, within, within how to deal with what we're facing. And... And and that's I think a fundamental lesson that you know you really need to be listening to everyone within the team and especially in a hotel management company where you have your head office but you have the hotels you always have this kind of you know dual dual relationship between operation administration and support everybody needs to be part of the same team and to you know and information needs to flow up and down all the time to ensure that together we're going to solve. Um, the challenges that we're facing. 
Um, another lesson I think learned or confirmed, unfortunately, in this crisis, and which has kind of always been my way of doing business, is like, you know, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst, right? I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, we all have our big objectives, and I've been very vocal about the objectives of Yotel ever since I took this job. You know, we're going to have 50 hotels and we're going to be a global brand and we're all over it. So far. And it's all great. But, you, you know, you survive through crisis like that because you had not just a plan B, but a C, a D, a E and an F, right? You have to, you know, always bear in mind that what the reality we're dealing with may change overnight and suddenly you have to adjust immediately, right? Um, and 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 you you can adjust not just because well you know today is different from yesterday but simply because I don't I don't think we can talk about having planet but you know that you know we're in a world which is extremely volatile and therefore deci you know decisions need to take that into account and there's nothing wrong about changing your mind and making a massive U-turn. Because the the markets are doing U-turns on us, right? So a leader thinking, you know what, I've decided to stay this way and and, and never wants to change, uh, I think uh, is uh, extremely uh, uh, um, I mean, wrong. I mean, you 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 have to have this humility thing. You know what? I know I know I said I was going this way, but now that things have changed, I'm going that way. And for that, you can be prepared in, you know. The variety of stakeholders you do business with, you know, never depend on one plan, have multiple plans at the same time. That's people, you know, having a lot of people. And it's one of the big lessons from me is like, you know what? Sometimes it's good to be overstaffed, right? Because, you know, we always try to stay lean and, and all this good stuff. But, you know, when you have a crisis like that, it's good to have very different types of talents to rely on. And you suddenly see someone that you were not sure of, or, you know, you probably didn't know their entire potential but within a crisis proves to be extremely valuable right so you know have very different types of talents very different types of people work to work with have different types of investment partners right no do not rely on one or two but have 10 or 20 so that you know as things change you know maybe one of your partners is in difficulties the other ones are fine and you can you can manage that um I mean, and in terms of you, you mentioned flexibility and agility that obviously yeah. uh, you mentioned your staff uh, uh, that way i mean how do you create that culture during a pandemic during these times of uncertainty to get everyone able to pivot whenever whenever it's needed and work towards the goals and and be uh, be infused during these difficult times when as we all know there's lots of personal stuff going on at the same time as professional absolutely and uh, you just nailed it right there and I think to me, that's the, a big lesson for me. When we build a team, any team, one needs to take into account the personal dimension of the team. Because right? it's actually weird, right? And I actually I think there's so much to do about recruitment. When we recruit people, we get those CVs, which are kind of like, now there's like this kind of template you see all around the world. And, and it just gives you the business dimension of an individual. Right. I've done the studies, I've done this experience, I'm good at that and that and that. When you go through a crisis like this, I think you survive because you understand the personal dimension of your team as well. And once you start managing that and you look, you know what? 
I know Terence is going through that, so this is what I should expect from him, right? And and you know, because I appreciate what's going through and it's important. And I'm not gonna say I don't care. It's my, you know, business first. Your personal life I is behind. You know, it's actually by taking a 360 view on someone's like, okay, that's the best way to manage someone. And actually, we were forced. All businesses around the world were forced to do that because suddenly everybody worked from home, so everything got mixed up. Now you're talking to someone in a biz. You're talking business to someone who is in his personal environment, right? And I think it's it. It, it, it required adjustments, right? Suddenly, like, you know, from anything, right? You suddenly see one of your colleagues and then his child goes through and, you know, or, or you get interrupted because something personal happens on the other side of the camera, right? And, and, like, and you're trying to speak strategy, like, well, what's going on? Can you please focus? But, you know, no, exactly. You have to accept that. And that's how you get the best out of people, I think, is understand their personal situation and apply your business requirement accordingly, right? And I think there was a massive lesson, very difficult for any business leader, because as far as I'm concerned, I've never run a business through Zoom or Microsoft Teams. I discovered all of that during to the, the, the pandemic. Um, I was not very good at it at the beginning, to, to be honest. I, I, just, you know, I was just not used to it. I, did, I had done my entire career in present phys physical meetings, right? And but actually now that was a massive lesson learned, right? So and then as a result, that's the first thing. Going back to your question, the second thing is just trust people. You know, I've given you a project, just get it done. I mean, and and that's and that's the beauty of a company the size of Yotel because we're not this massive MNC. You know, we're twelve hundred people. Trust them. Trust your GMs. Trust your heads of departments. Trust everyone. And you know. And just they're going to make it happen and let them know, look, you're going to do it. You make it happen. Uh, that's your role. That's your responsibility. Be proud of it. Go on with it. And I think, you know, instead of trying to micromanage or control or check and double check and triple check, just trust your people, you know, and, they, and, 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 and maybe factor that there will be mistakes on the way. You have to factor it. It doesn't matter. You already, you already factor it into your your kind of implementation plan that there will be some mistakes. Just make sure that the mistakes are not so important, right? Yes. So, and and then your business go through. And suddenly your culture is very different. And that's I, I think fundamentally to me the biggest lesson of all of this is I understood what culture really means. Right? Culture is not just about some sort of a uh, vision on your website or you know a statement or that everybody's scratching and says like what do they actually mean with their thing or their values and everything it's really culture it's really about creating a group a group of people who naturally works together and also has fun together right um and creating that and we're only 67 people in london so it's not the biggest company out there it's probably the hardest thing to do but once you've actually done it and i think we've achieved it because I saw it with my own eyes two weeks ago. We had our first global Yotel general manager and HQ oh. meeting with everybody in. And, I, and that's what I told my team at the end of this three-day kind of retreat is, guys, you know what I've seen? I've seen culture. I've seen people having fun together, buying into the same concept, the same vision. I had nothing to say. You guys just did it all. And that there was a, a combination of all at the same time, you know, uh, understanding the 
personal dimension of people, giving them the space they need to deliver their objectives, um, leading them uh, positively through this, and not just checking on them, but more giving them uh, more uh, encouraging, encouragement, celebrating their success, helping them. Um, and then you get a culture, and once you've got that, you've got a business which actually works on its own. And as a leader, you, you, all you need to do is just push it and uh, and let it happen. And and lastly, perhaps the big question, maybe based on your experiences that you've uh, you've had in the last few years as a lead of a, a hotel company, what advice would you give yourself now if a pandemic was starting today? You know, I think my generation. I mean, my mid forties is we're we're quite in a unique uh, spot because if I look at my career, my first fifteen years when you train and grow in a business and you become a you become a leader slowly but surely, I was essentially trained and mentored by people from the old world, you know, which had a very different approach to management. I, I, it's very simplistic, but like it's kind of my way or the highway, right? I mean, it's like, guys, you work 20 hours a day, and if you're not happy, here's the door, piss off, right? That was the culture in working in management consulting firms, in investment banks, in funds, whatever it was, and nobody cared, and it was like, that was the way it was. It's obviously not the way you manage the new generation, and they are right. The new generation is expecting much more respect, responsibilities, lifestyle, and so forth. The uniqueness of my generation, I would say, is that we're the bridge between the two, right? So we understand the old world, which is, and the new world, and we have to adjust to it. My, the best advice I would have given myself three, four years ago is, um, is what we've discussed previously, is it? Take more care of the people. They are not just associates. They are just, they are not just people part of the business task with XYZ task or, or, or objective or KPI or all these business terms. They are people. And it's by unlocking not only their brain and their business, but also their heart that you get the best out of them. And that you 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 get and eventually as a leader, you get to your objective of building a bigger business, whatever it is, a bigger business, larger enterprise, more money. You need to have the people fully engaged and therefore to look beyond their CV and really look at them and who they are and, 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 and be more compassionate and more uh, uh, and, also, and celebrate more successes. And I think because I still have, that's a very personal question with me, me when, when I was, the age of many of my colleagues then, this was not at all what we received. So sometimes I forgot. No. We, I was used to be under massive pressure and we were never told thank you. 